0: For the late, late post of this edition of the Open Paddock Rallycast. We recorded this, no joke, two weeks ago, and my bad for not getting it edited and posted in a timely manner. In this episode, it's our 100 Acre Wood Rally Review and an Open Paddock Reunion with former OP presenters Doug Patterson and John Nolsikowski, who used to join me in the previous guise of the show when it included IndyCar, sports cars, and the like. We also have our regular co-presenter, Ian Holmes, who co-drove the 100-acre wood with driver Scott Parrott in the Three Triangles Rally Team rally truck. We discussed our 100-acre wood points of view from that of a photographer, a co-driver, media host, and a rally first-timer. This is Open Paddock, the Rallycast. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and with me is the full Open Paddock Ensemble. And uh, I'm going to start out with you guys just saying, you know, how are you doing and what are you drinking? So, uh, Doug Patterson, welcome back to the show. It's been a while, man.
1: It has been a while. It's been a while since I've done anything. It's it's nice to talk into a mic and and chat about motorsport again.
0: So, I got to ask, what are you drinking, man?
1: I am drinking... A, uh, a fine mug, uh, well, okay, it's not a fine mug. Now, let me back up. It's a fine mug. I wish there was fine coffee in it. It's Keurig stuff. So uh, whatever yeah. the back black stuff that comes out of the Keurig machine here at the office is, that's what I'm drinking. Uh, when you want something that's almost, not quite, entirely unlike coffee, Keurig. I uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> love it
1: But no. so i' I'm here at uh, Fundamental technologies doing doing all the coding. so I've got one monitor where I'm doing science stuff and another monitor where I'm doing production on a on a little card game in Python and uh, a little power defense game uh, in Unity I'm doing uh, some QA on. Nearing the end of production, so like a bajillion different projects going simultaneously.
0: John Olsakovski who is on the road right now, trying to get home. A bit of a long day for Triangle. you, John. How are you doing this evening, yeah. sir? Yeah, uh,
2: I, I, I'm tired, and unfortunately, because I am in my work van trying to get home, I'm drinking lovely water. Before we get before we finish this, I will probably be at home, and I will have something something appropriate cracked open. I hope.
0: Well, I'm going to switch over to our co-presenter Ian Holmes. How are you doing this evening, sir? And what are you enjoying?
3: Well, I'm doing great tonight. Yeah. Um. Well, I was hoping to be drinking moonshine, but once That's I found out for the
0: Missouri talk show here, been, yeah. it would
3: have been fitting because because I got a um because we can talk about it later. But yes, I got a third. We got a third prize, and the third prize was I thought it was moonshine. But uh, no, when I found out that uh, what was in the bottle was actually 80 proof grain alcohol, I thought there's probably more ch- chance of getting the Model T Ford running with that. So, uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think? Well, okay, moonshine's usually a little bit stiffer than 80 proof.
3: Yeah, yeah. So um, tonight I do have a, I've got a cup of tea going tonight. So we're all we're all going to be really sober tonight. <laughs> Well, Except not all scary. of us.
0: <laughs> it's up to
2: you to take up the slack,
0: Mike. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Does that mean I, well, I did make a double, so, uh, but gosh, there's four of us. Does that mean I need a, a quad?
1: Yeah, you need a double-double. <laughs> you gotta do the double-double.
0: <laughs> well, I must say, I am enjoying this evening um, the Defiance Whiskey High Rye Bourbon, which was a sponsor of the 100-acre wood rally this year. And I must say, it is rather tasty it's it's smooth with a little bit of spice i like it search for it in your store because uh like i said it's pretty good
3: so it sounds like we're going to have more chance of being this show being sponsored by uh, defiance whiskey than we are by keurig coffee
1: <laughs> oh yeah it's caffeinated so that's uh, at, at the moment that's what counts
0: well let's move on from uh beverage talk to talking about rally guys um I don't know who we really want to start with here, but uh, I'm going to kind of start with how the event kind of started leading up to it. Uh, Pre-rally stuff, the recce, and all that. Um, I know that when we came in and and landed on, gosh, I guess it would have been uh, on Tuesday, because we had to be there for Wednesday's uh, little award ceremony thing, downpour of rain um, starting that night. It was both Tuesday and Wednesday. There was a lot of water that was coming down.
2: We rolled in Thursday, and it wasn't rainy, but it was overcast, cold, and a lot of wind, but it only just stopped raining, what, I guess the night before?
1: Right, and as we were coming in, I I was particularly keen to be looking at all the uh, waterways as we were crossing them. Um, As I... I've been at hundred acre before when uh, we've had deluges of of rain and uh a lot of those a lot of those little creeks and rivers uh that uh, at first you look oh quaint little creek until all of a sudden you get uh, a rainstorm and it's a it's a mess uh you know with those hills it's well it literally is like a funnel right mhm and so you think one inch of rain okay one inch until you're realizing the area this is spread out uh and and then concentrated down into uh it becomes a foot a foot and a half very very quickly
3: yeah yeah we had a very interesting drive down on uh, wife and i left left the prairies about seven o'clock on uh, on wednesday morning and uh, we had Five hours of fog. I drove through five (laughs) hours of fog, which was pretty much as far as like um, Cedar Rapids, Iowa or somewhere like that. Then we had like two hours of sunshine. And then the rest of the way we got caught in that downpour. So uh, it was it was not a lot of fun. But Scott, who was towing the truck, he probably had it even worse. He left. He left his home about ten o'clock, and he got caught in uh, sleet and ice storm. Ew. Yeah. was wow,
1: towing a truck.
3: Nah, and uh, it ruined our nice new vinyl job on uh, on the rally truck. If you notice if you paid a lot of attention to the rally truck on on the event, you'd, you'd see that one side was relatively unscathed but the other side, the red and blue stripes on the bottom half of the truck were just like totally ripped off. And they just like got ripped off in an ice storm. So, uh, we weren't too happy about that as we'd spent
0: like four or five hours
3: doing the, doing the vinyl over a couple of
0: nights. One thing when we were out on recce, you know, looking at the roads, uh, you're right. It definitely dried up on Thursday when you guys showed up. Uh, it was the biggest downpour we saw was on Wednesday. It was just really coming down. So everything was really swollen. And, uh, now, Doug, this is your home rally. You know, you're know, you yeah. from the state, and I, I noticed that when you go to some of these water crossings, I didn't realize that you guys had Argentina, rather Argentina-style fords that are concrete-covered or, or paved where the water is supposed to go over the top of it.
1: Well, yes. Yeah, so, so how it normally works is uh, on some of the larger fords, uh, there is a culvert right so with normal flow the water will go just through the through the drainage pipes uh underneath the uh the concrete uh but if there's uh, a lot of water they are they're designed with a, a beveled uh, side usually uh we found a couple where where john you remember it's like oh don't cut don't cut uh we're gonna fall off the edge but uh most of them have a little beveled edge so that as the water comes uh, downstream, it can sluice uh, up and over pretty easily. Those are far more economical for those, those little crossings for as little traffic as these forest roads get rather than building a, uh, a, a steel bridge or something like that that's going to require routine maintenance. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's a lot of those uh, there down in the Ozarks. And by and large, it's not a problem uh, until you get uh, rain like we had the Wednesday before the rally. Uh, and of course, uh, you know Thursday it was beautiful weather. It was dry. It was sunny there in Salem. Absolutely gorgeous as we're watching cars come through Tech. But there, you know, all that water didn't vanish instantly. Uh, it's, it's 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 weird geology down there. It's it's clay and limestone, right? Uh, and so the water doesn't percolate through that clay all that well, especially uh, since we just had all of our winter snow melt and saturate the ground. So the rain was falling onto already saturated clay. Um, and then what is it? Clay is limestone, which uh, there that region of Missouri is well known for uh, for caves, Uh <laughs> Yeah, you know, water dissolves limestone pretty, pretty well. Uh, karst geology, it's called, and, and you know, you can uh, you know, all this water can just vanish instantly and then be spat out somewhere else. It does weird things. Uh, water does down there. Even though it was beautiful weather on Thursday, I know we kind of research a couple of areas, and when you and uh, uh, you and Matt. Were, were out, and there were some places that were just straight-up impassable still.
0: Yeah, um, so, uh, and, and by the way, folks, can you tell that Doug's a professor? Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> that's no joke, he really is. Anyway, uh, yes, Matt and I, we went and uh, uh three or four stages. The big one that had, yeah, a bunch of the challenges on it was... Loop Southern or Southern Loop, as everybody calls it. I don't know why they called it Loop Southern. I think they did that because it was run in reverse, so they decided to reverse the name. <laughs> Clever. Yeah, it Love it. 13. All right, Well played. Yeah, exactly. But there were parts that, yeah, you went across a water crossing, and, you know, your, your vehicle had to pop up. I and mean, Granted, we had a truck with four-wheel drive, thank goodness. And then it just, you had that nasty wet clay just up above it, and you're trying to go uphill through it. And it was rutted six inches deep. In places just slippy slimy you know nasty stuff um so it, pretty difficult i heard that there were some stages that you couldn't even get to uh, depending on the vehicle that you had and ian yeah um, being a competitor yourself um <laughs> and you had to recce all these stages why don't you tell us about your experience doing recce at this event and this is your is this your first or second time doing 100 acre
3: this is my first time doing hundred acre, and uh yeah well, I saw you and uh matt out on uh on uh, at the cattle jump didn't I and you asked us how uh asked us how um Recky was going and we said it was the Recky from hell and it it really was quite an ordeal i mean, it's, we encountered the uh the um, fast flowing flooding waters in the in the morning we were trying to get onto uh, west over pandora so, so that was stage 5 and 10 and uh, we came across the uh, the river the uh, river there and it was a wide crossing and yeah we could see there was a lot of water there and scott eased his scott's got a big f150 f250 type truck and he eased it into the water and he could see that we were actually the water was actually going to get inside the truck, so we decided Whoa. to like we decided to like uh, back out of that one and uh, and try and find somewhere else to cross. And uh, as we, we pulled away from the uh, the water crossing, this white Subaru came the other way, and I uh, we thought, well, we'll be nice, we'll flag them down and we'll tell them what the problem is. And uh, and uh, so we flagged the uh, flagged the vehicle down, and the driver wound the window down and it was petter solberg
0: (laughs) (laughs) did you about drop a load in your pants when you
3: saw that i think i think think scott did i think scott was pretty excited about that so we we told him and he said yeah you won't get through there not in that so we told him we wouldn't get through in the truck so uh, we decided together to try and find another water crossing so there we that was us in the F two fifty or whatever it is, and uh, Petter Solberg bouncing down these roads trying to find a water crossing. So we got to another water crossing, and it was just as bad. So we actually didn't get to Reki West over Pandora because it was it was so bad. I don't know if uh, Petter Solberg got to, and uh, Oliver and uh, Aaron got to uh, Reki West over Pandora because we ne- we never saw them again after that and. <laughs> we didn't get their autographs dang it <laughs>
0: <laughs> well those clever guys in subaru and some of the other top teams um they came in from the reverse side
3: yeah we we actually went round from the reverse side but this was still in the morning when we were out there and the water level was still really high i heard that the water level dropped off in the afternoon but we we had to go out to uh salem and uh rec wrecky uh Saturdays loop of stages in the afternoon. You know, we're we aren't a big team, we're just the two of us. So we're we are we're on a tight we're on a tight schedule, so we can't mess around like that. But uh, we had plenty of fun and games on the uh on the uh, Saturday loop as well because uh, we got at Southern Loop. I mean that was that was an epically fun stage to actually drive on on rally day but oh boy on uh, on a recce day, we came across several of those uh, water crossings and then uh, the steep, rutted, mudded slopes that you were talking about. And uh, yeah, we came across this one water crossing and we were just about to go up the slope. And from the, from the top the top of the corner, about 50, 60 yards away, this blue Hyundai bit appeared around the corner and just slid down the hill.
0: Oh my!
3: And, he, <laughs> and he, then they stopped and then they tried to go back up. They got another 10 yards up the hill and then it just started to slide down again. And um, with, when we realized that uh, things were just this wasn't your normal, normal sort of wrecky. We did drive past them and offered to tow them out if they had a rope, but they didn't have a rope and we didn't, weren't carrying a rope. So uh, I guess they were left to their own devices, but there were some forestry people about on the stage so hopefully they got hauled out by the forestry people but it was a pretty incredible pretty incredible experience oh and there's another one i just just remembered um was it stage four we was it stage three or four we just uh we just wrecked and you left you left the stage and uh you went on one of these barely wide enough for the f-150 roads and there was a water crossing and the water level was so high. It's like Scott just looked at it and he said, where does the road go? <laughs> we could not see where the road actually went. So I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking for a gap. In, I'm looking for a gap in those trees to like give us a clue to where the road might actually go. And in the end we've, we found, found one. And we sort of like pointed the truck in that general direction. And it was the right direction to go, but you couldn't tell where the, you couldn't tell whether the gap in the trees was like for the road or whether there was a gap in the trees for the for the river. I mean, you could have easily taken a wrong turn there and totally messed things up. But that was one of the most epic parts of the recce because you were you you drove through this river in flood and then came out of it and went into an into another river crossing and then you went around a corner and there's a sign on a tree. Trespassers will be shot. <laughs>
0: that sounds like that area of
1: Missouri. All right. I was say and that's not a joke. That, no. that was put there
2: on purpose. Yeah. Did you hear banjos in the background by any chance?
3: <laughs> the scary thing was the 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 thing was is like the uh, the cabin we were we were staying in just outside of uh, Steelville, The the one there was a banjo hanging on the wall, and that was the first thing I thought about. You know, was that. <laughs> But, yeah,
1: <laughs> banjos get a bad rap, man. Don't fear the banjo.
3: But, no, this, this was the most fantastic piece of road. It really was. It twisted and wound around, and there was the trespassers will be shot sign on the tree. And, you know, we were going going through this water every, like, 50, 60 yards, and, like, the trail seemed to go through people's front yards. It would go through the river and come out. The trail would go through the river and come out of the river. And it seemed like it went through somebody's front yard and the dog would chase us and was was expecting somebody to appear on the front porch with a gun. But it, it was, it was an epic experience. That was, uh,
2: you know, okay. Uh, speaking of epic experiences, okay. This is, this being my first rally, uh, of any type.
0: Now, explain, John, because y- you're from Texas, there's not a lot of rallying down there, other than... Uh, not you know, we've very got our much. Friends, right, from, you know, Rally Ready, uh, Rally School there, but as far as actual events to go to, th- there just isn't much.
2: No, no, there's not. I mean, Brianna Korn has her rally cross, but that's that's a whole other animal, right? So, yeah, uh, the experience of a rally is, is 100% new to me. So we're spending the day in service or well, you know, a tech inspection there in Salem and we're hearing the stories of whoever had communication, I guess, with their recce crew um, coming back about just how awful everything was um, out on this stage or that stage. And uh, I, I think there was a point where, you know, there were questions on whether stages might be canceled because of uh, road conditions and weather and you know passability. Um, there were, I heard stories of apparently trees that were down and people having to take chainsaws and cut them up to get them off of the stage roads and that sort of thing. And I, you know, I'm thinking in my head, is like how bad is there? Um, but honestly, by the time, you know, we went out on stage Friday morning, it was it was really pleasantly surprising uh, how much of it had drained off by that point.
1: But back to the uh, the thing about the trees being down, uh, I remember seeing the video and Mike, Ian, you may remember this better than I do. I want to say it was the 515 guys during their recce that this happened to. They're driving through and a tree literally fell down towards the towards the road as they drove underneath it you see it in the uh in the uh little gopro cam uh video that they had do you remember the clip that i'm talking about
0: um i must have missed that one but i i did hear about it and uh i mean that that sounded pretty scary i mean there was multiple trees down out there i know that Mm -hmm. me and matt had um had stopped to try and see if we could help pull one maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit more out of the road you kind of get if you went way, way left onto the, onto the edge of the road, you kind of go around it. But, uh, and then we ended up seeing, uh, uh, Rebecca Rustin and Adam short ended up being right behind us and they stopped and we all tried to kind of lift and move this tree. And we're like, nah, it's, it's still part of its root was in the ground. So we weren't able to help there, but yeah, there was a lot of trees that came down. That was some 45 mile an hour winds. I think it was Mm -hmm. 45, 50. That was a really
1: windy day. There, There were, uh, high wind warnings all throughout the state uh and of course keep in mind this came right on the heels of a uh, of a deluge of water falling onto already saturated ground uh and so the the roots of most of these trees were clinging onto naught but mud sloppy mud at that you know so uh, all of a sudden their footing uh really went away and uh, so I wasn't surprised that there were some trees down, but having one fall towards you as you're driving down the road is yeah, is, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's, that's a code brown right there.
0: <laughs> absolutely, <laughs>
1: absolutely,
0: yes. Well, um, you know, I, I obviously that, that the conditions looked horrid when we were out there, but the days were getting drier. Um, but obviously, Doug, you know, the area, uh, Mr. Professor. Yeah <laughs> as you can tell the, the the water can actually go away rather quickly and it was saturated ground but with those winds that were dry and the you know the sun that came out plus as you said there's these little holes of limestone or whatever that they can kind of disappear and the water just yeah, kind of goes it's, who knows where it's
1: like pipe <laughs> and uh and you know the ground may be saturated but uh, if there's a fissure in the rock down the water goes mm mm-hmm. mhm so yeah. even on saturated clay, it can disappear. Well, it doesn't disappear, of course. It just goes elsewhere uh, very, very
3: rapidly. And you're mentioning cast geology there. I'm flashing back to uh, to high school and geography classes, and I remember, I remember covering cast geology. Now, so it's all it's all coming back to me. <laughs> nice, nice. Hooray <laughs> right for science teachers. Yeah. Oh no, this was geography. You know, I says. Good old, dear old Mr. Madison and his O-level geography classes. I never thought I would be using O-level geography to talk about rally conditions.
0: <laughs> well, rally is definitely about managing the conditions for sure. Uh-huh. Um, well, l- let's talk a little bit about the cars, though. I mean, we had th- this is a big event. Everybody seemed to be wanting to be at the 100-acre wood rally this year. Um, obviously, the first one that Subaru was going to be at, they had their new livery. By the way, for those of you that don't know, that livery was painted on. Talk about going retro. It was nice. not a wrap. They uh, on painted both of the it on the Subarus? Yes, sir. They actually <laughs> I had I was to... not aware
2: of that. So they actually I'm had
0: to. I was talking to one of the crew and they for the color paints that they had, they they actually made rattle cans and filled it with that paint. So that way if they had to do any touch-up work, they uh had cans of paint available they could uh, end up spraying it on. So, yeah. <laughs> no joke full classic going with the paint i loved it good thing they
2: uh they went to that level of prep too mm-hmm.
0: indeed indeed um obviously so you know you, you ran into mr solberg there uh ian yeah so he that was the big thing we got oliver solberg he's competing here in the states but interestingly he doesn't have a driver's license yet and that means he doesn't have a driver's license that even covers him in the united states so, as you saw in Recce, his dad was driving, and I guess he was in the back seat, and then Aaron yeah. was in the co-driver's
3: mm-hmm. seat. Yep, that's right.
0: That brought up a bit of controversy, because, according to the rules, you only registered competitors can do Recce. Now, I don't know, maybe Petter did register, but it's also, I think, I don't know where it might be written, I didn't look at the rules, but one competitor had told me and i'm not gonna say who that does that mean i can hire uh sebastian loeb to write my notes for me so i can do better (laughs) because if let's say petter was actually doing the notes instead of oliver for the because i don't know how you see very well from that back seat i don't know um Hmm. was a bit of controversy about that whole situation but you know like i said excited to have him there young kid a lot of talent uh that was one of the big stories there but then you look at all the other entries we had. There was 81 entries. Uh, unfortunately, only 75 people started. Uh, some of those were people that ended up having a car not quite ready by the by the time uh, you know, it was go time. Uh, I think there were some people that didn't pass tech. Uh, miscellaneous issues going on. I don't know, Doug, if you remember what any of those specific issues were. I think I remember some, some one person had expired belts that they weren't paying attention to. That oh, kind of deal.
1: Yes, I, I did hear about the expired belt. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, when, uh, when I'm sitting there... Doing photo work. Um, most of what I'm paying attention to uh, is I'm I'm trying to find that that right combination of car uh, competitor official, you know, stacked together doing something interesting that's going to make a uh, uh, going to make a, an interesting uh, image uh, and kind of an image that tells the story of the process of doing tech. Uh, as opposed to being, uh, you know, when I'm when I'm doing writing, when I, you know, when I'm following a uh, uh, an event from a, a writer standpoint, then I'm listening to all the conversations, right, and I'm trying to track down what are the juicy stories, the the interesting stories, the drama, and all that. Uh, but uh, you know, unfortunately, on Thursday, I wasn't doing that. I was just focused on trying to. Uh, trying to find the uh the good image I knew you and uh, you and matt were there
0: yeah we did uh end up coming by kind of a little bit later uh after doing some recce and and we we're able to go buy tech there um tried to hook up with ian but uh apparently you and you and uh scott took forever and uh barely made it into tech on time but uh you, you did get there so that was good <laughs> um, but yeah i mean it, that's one of those neat places where you could see all the different cars that come through. And with the 75 that ended up being able to start, I mean, there was just a little bit of everything, wasn't there? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, obviously you had plenty of the naturally aspirated four wheel drive, good competition in both the regional and, and in the, in the national there, you had the open two wheel drive class, which uh, I'm sorry, just, it was so cool to see Hooper and uh, Seamus Burke going to go at it again because those two, they they love to go hammer and tongs with each other at whatever events that they're at together. And, uh, of course, at the front, there was a lot of different cars up there from uh, a crazy-fast Evo 9 that was uh, the the Martinez-Samsonas, I think that's how you say his name, in in that car. He ended up being super quick. You had the V8 uh, LS3 Sonic with Pat Morrow. You had... Obviously, the top Subaru guys, you had McKenna, you had Wallingford finally there in his R5, recovering after his, you know, injury. There was just so many different things to see.
1: I was really happy to see uh, Stephen Cherry back in that, uh, that white SVT Focus. Uh, last time I heard that he was out, he, uh, he blew up the motor and uh, had, uh, he had a new one in ready to go. Uh, and unfortunately, he had—I uh, think uh, this year it was a transmission failure—that uh, that got him. But uh, he he puts in so much effort to that car, and it always comes looking so clean. I uh, I now have goals right for, for my <laughs> little SVT.
0: Is the is your SVT going to end up becoming a rally car? Uh, eventually,
1: eventually. Um, nice. At least a rally sprint car. The uh, I, I mean, unless any of you know a uh, a, a good co-driver that could uh, tolerate a novice driver,
3: <coughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> may know somebody. I you know might know it. somebody. <laughs>
3: I've heard I've, I've heard he's rather good. good. Rather, I've heard he's very professional.
0: Excellent.
2: <laughs> well, so long
3: as educated I...
2: in everything.
0: <laughs> if an
1: Irishman can get together, we'll be fine.
0: Well, um, let's kind of get down to the event. Um, actually, I'm going to switch over to you, John. So first day we start out, it's a big park expose with that, uh, you know, where they do that little run around the little uh, fairgrounds, uh, little thing that they do there. You've never been to a stage rally before, John. What was that experience seeing all those cars all lined up where you get right up to them? You remember, you've you, you mostly been to circuit racing, so you can't get that close. Um, well
2: yeah it, it's yeah not a, not at top level uh, you know you, you, you even even like in sports car racing where you can wander through the paddock you know there's you, you can only go as far as the tensa barrier that they put up you know um, I mean these I mean you can walk right in poke your head into the uh, into the window of the car look underneath it I mean they, I mean they really don't care um, and, and that you know, just being a gearhead uh, or petrolhead, petrol head like you, Ian. Um, I thought that was just completely cool. Um, it, even even the the high end uh, uh, cars, you know, the professionally built ones, like uh, you said, Wallingford and his R five and uh, the Subaru guys, um, they were just as open as the guy who had the uh, the what was it that rattle can CRX in you know. <laughs> camouflage Uh, they were were just as open and just as willing to show you their car let you look at it and and, and that sort of thing that that to me it just impressed the hell out of me
0: so what was your experience hearing the cars fire up and uh you know see them go off the launch and even just do that short little simple stage
2: we left before that started because we had to get to where we were
0: shooting ah gotcha so then you guys uh what stage were you on doug uh we were on stage
1: three and uh I've seen that little loop uh i've I've been to rally crosses before uh that's uh that's not my favorite that's not my favorite stage in the world
0: <laughs> yeah no i mean I mean, it, it, I mean it wasn't much I mean you just went up and uh, up the hill ran around a little circle you know um yeah. tried to avoid the hay bales until somebody tags it and shreds it and then everybody doesn't care <laughs> And come around to the finish. And
1: even though it's not my favorite stage to watch, I hope they don't get rid of it because uh, Lions Club Park there in Potosi is a brilliant place to start the rally. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of places for for uh, uh, spectators to park. Uh, you've got the uh, you've got the club hall there. Uh, it's a great place for uh, uh, you know to set up merchandise and uh, have the drivers' meeting. Uh, have the the media safety meeting, which was brilliant. That's that's awesome. I'm I'm so glad that a professional organization has taken over this, you know, this rally. So you know, you've got infrastructure there. It's a great place to have the expose. You see all the cars, and then you don't have to go anywhere to see them launch and throw dirt. But it's really not a good place to try and photograph a rally. Uh, and so we. We did our park exposé thing, photographed some rally dogs, and then we are off to uh, stage three at Pigeon Roost Road. Uh, there's a brilliant little corner there where they're they're coming kind of up over a crest, so it's not a jump. They just get a little light, uh, and then there's a almost but not quite ninety, uh, but it's wide. It's really wide, so you can come at it with uh, if you do it right at a at a pretty good rate of speed and on the inside there um cars were coming so they were coming into the sun i had good light i had the uh the bit of crowd that that was there this is a this is one of the famously undocumented spectator areas where they know people are going to show up it's a junction Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and it's a good place to watch they just don't put it on the spectator guide but they always have marshals there to uh keep people kind of doing what they're supposed to be doing. But uh, anyway, so that's where we were. It, it was a fun place. I, uh, I always enjoy shooting there.
0: So let's switch over to, yeah, John, this is going to be your first time seeing the cars going at anger, right?
2: Well, even even before that, you know, the, the, the park expose, uh, now that I have a full grasp of the flow of a rally event, um, uh, the park o- expose and that little special stage that they do before they launch out onto the the streets to transit to to the first stage it makes perfect sense and what Doug was saying about you, you know as far as being a spectator um, there at the park in, in Potosi, uh, I think that would have been a great experience, even for just a casual fan. Somebody who, who maybe they're just a gearhead or their friend drugged them along or uh, they're just driving by and want to see what all the ruckus is about. You know, if, if they have any interest in motorsports or uh, the cars or anything like that. It's gonna be a quick little uh, showcase for spectators that, oh hey, this is cool and interesting, and this is what's going on in 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 our area this you know for the next couple of days,
0: okay, be safe on that turn that you're taking that we can hear um, <laughs> <laughs> now now, switching over to you, Ian, now this is the first rally, I believe since you've gone through your uh co driving uh mm-hmm. classes that you did with the Gelsaminos. yeah, um, tell us a little bit about you know what your experience, how different it was, being prepared for this one. Um, You know, obviously going through recce and the planning that you did and then heading out to that first stage, which, by the way, with 75 entries, how long was it before you finally got started? Because it it was a long way. I'm standing there, you know, watching these cars starting, like going, shit, we got another 20 freaking cars to go. I think they're going to be going be in service by the time the next last car starts.
3: Yeah, that's uh, that was that was that was a thing. Yeah. Uh, Well, first off, I was as nervous as because yeah i had we had scott and i had got we had gone out and written our own notes basically it was it was modified gemba really we were because we could only do we only had time to do one pass we took the gemba and we modified it and but i still wrote everything ourselves and scott changed things to suit himself and suit the conditions but uh so I was actually really nervous and it was pretty good for us. Well, certainly for me to have a nice, easy stage like the Lions Park thing to ease yourself into it, you know, because, yeah, I was, I mean, I, I, I did sort, I sort Rhiannon out before, uh, before the start of the uh before the start of the uh, stage and I said I'm as nervous as hell and she, she said no you'll be fine so but uh, it was very very ner- it's very nerve-wracking to do that on your to do your first rally with your own notes and so that was very nice simple easy way into it but, uh, yeah uh we we were actually on the on the, well both days our start number was 60 so yeah we were waiting an hour we were waiting an hour after the first first car had gone before before it was our turn to uh to uh p- partake of the fun and games so uh yeah by the time we started uh the other cars were probably on stage stage three you yeah. know so it was it was it was great for the great for the fans you know they got like an hour and an hour and a quarter solid entertainment of cars that was good for them for certain but uh, i mean my wife uh she was she was volunteering as usual and uh power tour, awesome yeah, i absolutely. love volunteers. thank you uh-huh. but uh, she actually didn't get to see me do the uh li- the uh, lions park stage because she had to go to um the hussar service because she was working MTC in at the service, so uh, she because there were so many cars, cars were still they had they had split crews, you know. Because she was working, she was working the first day, the st- stage start there, and then she had to leave to go to the uh, time control at Hussar. So uh, yeah, there was so many cars, so many there so many cars there that. But, yeah, I mean, that must have been a logistical nightmare for everybody, for the organizers, really, when you think about it.
1: Uh, Ian, before we get too far away from one of your comments earlier, I want to ask uh, the nervousness that that you feel. And and, uh, I I understand that the nervousness was a little elevated this this event because you were using your own notes for the first time as opposed to uh, some pre-described notes. But when you when you start a rally, aren't you a little nervous already?
3: But this was just more of the same. Now that there's different kinds of nervousness, no, there's guess, yeah. there's a, there's this very positive, hyped up nervousness <clears throat> that you're looking forward to getting out there. I mean, this it's a nervousness that I'm really familiar with because I used to do a lot of amateur acting on the, on the, on the mm-hmm. stage. And you, I used to have that great buzz of excitement before I would go out on stage. There'd be this very positive buzzing, full of energy, kind of like nervousness. And then there's the, just the plain being mm. nervous because I was at uh, the dread. Yeah. Because I was doing something new and different. If yeah. I hadn't been writing my own notes, you know, it, pff, everything would have been fine, but there was a different little, little level Underneath, where I was generally quite nervous, I didn't want to screw things up. I mean, I'm 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 very confident in my abilities with doing my own notes, but Mm -hmm. there's that little bit underneath, you know, that it took it took that stage to uh, get into things and uh, get going.
1: Well, I wonder if uh, somebody else in the position you were in using their own notes for the very first time, if they didn't feel the the type of nervousness that you described, I would wonder if they truly understood the import of the job they had in front of them. Because, oh. if, you know, someone who comes at that out of, uh, out of ignorance and overconfidence yeah. and say, yeah, I'm not nervous, I got this, uh, when what's really going on is they don't understand the, the actual... Uh, import of what's about to happen and some of the consequences. Of course, uh, you as a co-driver know very well uh, that can happen if you have uh, an incorrect call or something like that. Uh, and all of a sudden, that incorrect call m- means that you you're wrapped around a tree or, mm. or you, you break suspension on a on a rock or something like that. So, but yeah, that that that's one of the things I was trying to. Kind of understand what the type of nervousness you were feeling was, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it all turned out well. the uh, The truck went back on the uh, on the trailer,
3: mostly the way
1: it uh, came off, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I and mean, it was like we can't complain with our performance at all. But uh, yeah, I I now now I've got now I've done of course now I've done the training class. I do have like a totally different outlook on it, and uh, but it was just that initial moment that that I was thinking about, uh, about those notes. In fact, I mean, Matt, Matt, Matt James messaged me a couple of days later. He said, I'd, uh, I was going to have a word with you, but, uh, it seemed like you were always busy. And the reason why I was always busy was because I was trying to take my mind off the fact that I'd got my own notes to do. You know? <laughs> it just did. I just didn't want that coming too far to the front, but, uh, but, you know, everything was okay.
0: One of the big stresses, I think, for a lot of the teams were, is you were talking about how, you know, that stage five was one that uh, most people weren't able to get into unless they found some creative way to get in there. And then, lo and behold, um, a little bit, it was kind of touch and go whether they are going to cancel that stage. Uh, I think it was stage fa- five and then later nine or something like that. Anyway. Then oh, they said, five, yep, we're five, ten, okay. Then they yep. said, yep, we're going to run it. And uh, we do need to make sure that the county, we thank them. Elvis, uh,
3: absolutely.
0: The the county out there, they really love this rally. They go out of their way to make it run. And I know that when we were out on that uh, Southern Loop uh, stage, there was areas where they'd already put down some, some gravel and whatnot to shore up some of those areas that were super slick. Uh, it, it had gotten worse, unfortunately, since they had done it the previous time. But apparently th- there were people out in the middle of the night um, people out in the early dawn hours cleaning things up as best they could to make sure this rally would run, and lo and behold, not only with the drainage but with some of the help of these crews, they were able to get that stage five and ten uh, able to run again. Yeah, well, because... they were
3: actually they were actually doing it on recce as well. We followed. We followed a couple of trucks laid uh, laid down with uh, with gravel with stone chippings, and they would stop at one of the water crossings, and they would like pour the uh, the, the stone chippings into the water crossing. to if, if where any any uh, like uh, any of the bank the river water banks had like washed away, they were putting. Oh stone right, so it wouldn't be too much there. of a
0: lip for you to yeah. hit when you're coming out of it and yeah. uh, damage the car. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. So they would they were actually doing that on recce because uh, we were. We were stuck behind one of them going down this back road. He was doing about 20 miles an hour, and we we're going like, come on, we need to get back, because we've got to get to tech,
0: you know, sort of thing. But what but was to... the stress for you, though, in hearing, yes, Stage 5 is going to run? Because, I, from what I could tell, 80% of the people had not recited it.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, ironically, and this is what I can't... I mean, I what we did when we went back... To the, to the to the cabin at night was like i wrote up those those stage notes and ironically i think that was the stage that i called the best i i, I can't explain maybe it was the flowing nature of the stage but but was uh, that
0: just going to straight off jemba then that you did with that then so, yeah i just I, okay. I just
3: straight off wrote the wrote the jemba notes out and uh yeah we just uh i felt that that was the that was the best the best best calling i did it was a short stage as well i mean it was only well just over five miles long it was quicker it was quicker over and done with and it was it was flowing and fast and there's that belter of a left hand hairpin about two-thirds of the way in and uh yeah it, it, it that that particular stage just went really well for us uh I can't understand why, you know, because <laughs> we didn't get to see it, but uh, we just took it as it came.
0: Well, uh, John, I want to get back to you. You were saying that, uh, you know, obviously you guys were out at that stage three and you got to help Doug um, be in his spotter a bit. But you obviously got to enjoy the action of seeing these cars at speed there. First rally event, first time seeing the cars at speed since you didn't hang around for the uh, super special. What was that experience like? <laughs> Uh,
2: it was not at all what i expected um the speeds were a lot higher than i i i imagined especially from the front running guys you know uh, the subarus and ken block and uh uh, mckenna um let's be honest a a, a fiesta or the those types of cars that, that that they're based off of you the street going versions of them, you don't picture them as a fast car. <laughs> right? No, not really. Um so so to see one coming hauling or hauling ass around a corner swinging dirt. I feel hurt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you you've got the souped up one. You know, specifically I, I still You're, don't
0: know. think he's pulling three hundred and fifty horsepower out of it or whatever. I, n-
2: yeah. No,
0: not quite
2: um you know and you know granted you know compared to like indycar and some others you know nascar even uh, the speeds are comparative comparatively slower but you're also on a dedicated paved surface where grip is maybe not constant but a lot closer to it than on dirt where there's i mean we were okay my first time out on the stage, I'm looking at the apex of this corner where where we were standing, and I'm like seeing I'm picking tin cans out of the racing line or <laughs> aluminum cans out of the racing line. I don't want to see somebody run over that and cut a tire. That's gonna suck, you know. Am I wrong for approaching it that way?
0: An aluminum can won't puncture a rally tire thankfully so uh, it's not like an indycar tire or nascar tire but it
1: will puncture a rally photographer <laughs> <laughs> okay. this is true flying off of that car so yeah yeah absolutely pick stuff like that out
2: uh, okay then, then i was 100 percent in the right i'll take it <laughs> certainly
0: but but you know as you as you probably notice though how they approach a corner might be a little bit different from all the circuit racing that you're used to. Well,
2: and it, it well it, it differs from uh, from car to car depending on you know four wheel drive, two wheel drive, front wheel drive. You know they all have to approach it a little bit differently, and and, and that I really enjoyed seeing, um, as well as it was pretty obvious who was uh, really pushing at least through you know through the section that we had visible, um, and who was maybe being conservative, you know, just trying to make it through unscathed or whatever. What, 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 what apparently stage three, there was a lot of action and drama, but none of it happened in front of us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's the I mean,
1: nature of rally. Never will. Yeah, the only, uh, the only drama at, uh, at the Pitch and room's corner was red shirt guy that the marshals had to, that they were oh, yes. literally within Seconds of calling the stage.
0: Oh boy. Uh, oh. The
1: guy was he had gave up and he's like, All right, that's it. He was getting ready to walk over to his corner captain. He had stood up and was on his way back. And the guy finally complied. Uh oh, so red shirt guy's a dick. I might have yelled and swore absolutely, absolutely profanely at him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, uh, you what about you,
1: me trying to do work and, and yeah, he's preventing that and and some other uh, things I shall not mention on the radio that I might have said to him. But uh, yeah, you
2: <laughs> and you and uh, a lot of the spectators who were hanging out there as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. But uh, anyway, that that was the only car or that was the only drama that we saw. We didn't see any any car drama. Uh but like John was saying, it was uh it was fun and it always is seeing the the differences of approach uh to a corner uh where Tedrick was, so we were on the inside and I had uh my uh my uh medium length lens, uh 28 to 70. So I was panning as they were coming by, right, to get that inside slidey shot uh with the spectators in the background. Tedrick uh was looking at their approach. Catching them as they're coming over the crest in this big canyon of of trees, because this is in the Mark Twain National Forest, right? Uh, and uh, in the in the dust, that that's something we haven't mentioned, and and I think it does bear mentioning. Hundred Acre Wood Rally has always seen copious amounts of dust. That's that's a perennial problem, and we thought, wow, with all this rain, you know, the dust won't be a problem. Dust was a problem. Uh the high winds, even though the ground underneath was still a little soppy and, and muddy and slick and nasty, as we found out on Saturday, that surface got dried out by mm-hmm. the uh, by the winds. And yeah, there was dust. Uh, made for some pretty cool photos that uh, Tedrick that took on that approach. That was pretty neat.
0: Yeah, so it's pretty safe to say that, uh, and Ian being in the co-driver's seat, is that the the Friday stages were definitely the some of the high speed, super fast, uh, flowy stuff. You know, really, you're just flat out for long periods of time on those stages versus maybe what uh, Saturday had.
3: Yeah, it's um, I was just uh, I was just uh, thinking, you know, it's like something that uh, just came to me. We're talking about the changing conditions between like recce and uh, the the uh, race day on Friday, and uh, it's like we had gone into into the stages on recce and we were looking at some of these these corners and you would get like you get like a downhill left three with a drop outside and you're thinking oh no if the road if the road is going to be like as slippy and slidy and muddy as this tomorrow we're going to make it a down to downhill left two just to knock some extra speed off just to be safe and you go out there on the on the friday and lo and behold you've got grip so you, it's back <laughs> to being a three. So,
1: <laughs> so can you make those calls on the fly? Because uh, how the, the speed you carry out of that corner is going to affect your next elements, right?
3: Yeah, I think we I think we generally I think we did play it overly safe at times. So. But which which I was quite happy for happy to do, you know, because our the team name is three triangles rally sport for a reason. <laughs> we're not wanting to jinx that. We're not wanting to oh, live up to that name too much. So right. we were quite happy to take it a little bit easy at times.
0: Yeah, especially with, you know, so many people out there. Now, I, I must say, Ian, you know, Mr. Noticed after that first oh. loop, you were beating Ken Block.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we, 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 <laughs> we went. We went, We went. We went to Tech on like uh, on like a Thursday Thursday evening, and like you like you pointed out, we were one of the last there. But we were actually there before Ken Block was. So I have this picture, and I put it on Facebook, and I said, "There are our cars. The, there's the truck, the rally truck, and Ken Block's Cozzy in Tech," and I put. This is the only time we will be in front of Ken block all weekend.
2: <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out.
3: <laughs> it didn't work. So so yeah, we were really I was really disappointed to see him by the side of the road there. I think that was stage 3. He he conked out on within like 100 yards of the finish of stage 3, I think. So so I was disappointed and my wife was actually disappointed because she was she was at service She's never met Ken Block. She's she's never even met Alex. In fact, she said, I was really disappointed that I didn't get to meet Alex because you know, we we know Rhiannon very well. Mm-hmm. And, but she's, ne- and she's never actually met Alex. So she said, I was looking forward to meeting Alex for the first time. So she didn't get to meet Alex either.
0: Well, he was there in service. They were there in service for quite a while as they were trying to work diagnose the car.
3: Yeah, he didn't come in with the car. The, the car didn't go through... Um, the control did it so because it was so uh, so where where are we going with this what were we talk, talking about
0: well we were talking about <laughs> the different conditions and the high speed stages that we had on friday and obviously you know some things that came up that uh were, were surprising like uh the dust coming up again the, these stages yeah. just they dried out really quick they went really fast speaking of speed you know that's where oliver solberg you know we saw him come in the first service we started looking at the times coming in and we're like holy shit we, mm-hmm. we were all wondering the 17-year-old, you know, protege, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, he's the son of a Solberg. We know that. But <laughs> it, this is a new car to him, right? This is a big car. The is the, the, the a big car. Racing in America, never been here before. Um, it's his first time doing a four-wheel drive gravel rally. He's never done that before. You, you know, how's he going to hold up? Bang on the pace right away. He was, uh, what, like eight seconds behind Higgins, like in that first loop or something like that? He, he was, like, right there how is this even fricking possible that he can be that quick that soon? Other thing we noticed is on all the transits, because he doesn't have his license, they had to switch. Yeah. And Aaron was doing the driving and, uh, (laughs) and Oliver ended up in the passenger seat. So uh, I thought that was kind of funny. And then they get up to the control and then they switch again and (laughs) come through, which is kind of humorous, but uh, that's it.
2: Okay. I assume that there is provision in the regulations for that sort of a situation, an unlicensed driver?
0: Well, w- when the road is closed, it's like at a racetrack, right? So you get to the closed stage, and provided they're old enough to have a, dri- a racing license, it's like having a driver's license, okay? So he had his racing license. He's allowed to race on the racing stage. As soon as you get outside the control zone, you're now on the public road. He does not have a driver's license. At that point, He had to switch with his co-driver, who does have an international driver's license. Um, That that was Aaron Johnston.
2: Uh, No, I understand that. Uh, But but my my question is, is is the rules are actually formatted or or written in such a way to have that provision for uh, a a driver, a a competing driver that doesn't have a valid driver's license? I I don't
0: think it was spelled out that way intentionally. Um, whenever, I think it was just the fact that once you get to a, a closed road, it's no longer a regular road. It's a racetrack.
1: Right. And so having or not having a, uh, a a driver's license in the municipality in which the, uh, the competition is taking place is immaterial.
0: Yep. I mean, hence why we get permits for these roads. The permits basically say, Hey, now it's your rules. It's not the, you know, it's not the county or the city or state. Gotcha. We did talk to some of the other drivers after that first loop. And, you know, the the going thing that really was coming from most of the other competitors that we knew were pretty close to the speed as much as they could be Barry McKenna in his Fiesta S2000 Turbo, you know, and uh, all the other competitors out there, they just didn't have gear ratios that went as high as Subaru did. And so on those flat out stages on Friday, it was extra tough. But then you went into the second loop um of stages that friday and it was starting to get dark out in we were wondering it's like they're gonna have full-on night stages there was i think there was a little bit wasn't there a little bit of a delay oh that's right of course male lady oh militant male lady (laughs) every year
1: that was the drama that we saw on three we did uh, you know, always before it, there's there's this mail lady. Neither rain nor wind nor sleet nor snow no rally. nor stage rally apparently will stop the mail lady from her appointed rounds. Uh, and she goes right past the marshals, right onto stage, driving against traffic, oh, and oh, uh, the the double zero, uh, King <laughs> escorted her to the uh to the pigeoners uh junction where where we were got her safely off stage and then you can tell he was agitated
2: let let's just say that <laughs> he, he, yeah. he drove away in a very Clarkson uh esque <laughs> <ask> manner <laughs> yes, yes
1: but yeah it's like ah, oh, every freaking year she does this every single year uh, but that okay. was that was my first official sighting. Uh, and what was funny is uh, uh, John and Tedrick and I, we, I I was uh, regaling them uh, with stories about the mail lady. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, as soon as uh, we heard on the radio, because uh, there was a marshal on the inside, uh, Lonnie uh, was uh, was with us on the inside of the corner, and uh, we heard his radio. And I'm like. See, I told you, we just started busting up laughing.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was, I, I really feel privileged that at my first 100-acre wood rally, I got to see the infamous male lady.
0: <laughs> well, she, she definitely is in so famous, she's infamous, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, going back to those uh, really fast stages and everybody just trying to keep up, there was a, also a short little super special just before service there um I, there was a couple of people that definitely had challenges already we, we by that time we had what ken block was already out mm-hmm. we had um uh, cpd racing which was uh travis niece um and scott putnam they were already out these are some of the top guys that we're you know really thinking we're going to be up there motor troubles already for uh odd racing mm-hmm. uh cam steely and preston osborne a lot of kind of mechanical stuff already happening just right off the top. I think that's when the Brown brothers they started having issues. Now was just the first loop, but but the first loop was uh, I guess pretty good length. Was it five stages in that first loop? Ian?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was uh, it was good 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 length. It was it was a lot of a lot of fun out there. Yeah, and we uh, we we noticed very quickly uh, the uh, the attrition rate. I think we lost ten cars on Pigeon Roost, didn't we? the first time through i know that our that even though our sequence number like started at 60 by the time we got down by the time we got to the first service us our, our sequence number was like down to 42
0: yeah yeah there so... there was just a lot happening there and mm-hmm. and now to be fair this is the first rally for a lot of teams for the year yeah. um n- not that many really go to snowdrift i mean Snowdrift's just a great event But some don't want to brave the cold. Um, Some, they take a little longer to get their car ready from the previous year. And 100 Acre is going to be the one that they're really going to get their start. So our good friend Al Dantes, he was coming into that first service, and he was completely out of fuel. What was really cool about that story, though, is the tow that he got, something happened where he was, I guess, fuel line or something like that, busted. So basically he dumped all his fuel, and the Honda Fit that's been around for forever... Mm-hmm. So the HPD maxis uh, Honda Fit team, uh, <laughs> they towed him at, across a river, uh, across one of the river crossings um, that he called over lake. Over the
1: river and through the woods? <laughs> he, he, over the, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> over a mountain on the way over.
0: And and, <laughs> and all the way uh, back into service uh, or, or towards service, they're hoping they could maybe get the car started. they going again to at least do that little super special uh, before service, but, uh, they weren't able to, and they basically had to do a rally restart. Um, they, they had to call it a day. They handed in their time card, but then were able to actually kind of come back and, and get going again. So, uh, it, frustrating for them because it was such a, a simple fix, a frustrating, you know, frustratingly simple fix, but it wasn't one, an easy one to find, a diagnose. So, uh, but they did get going again. So that was cool for them. Um, but yeah, the attrition rate, um, John, this is something you probably haven't experienced a whole lot, but, You know, you're kind of wondering, I think you were saying, is this normal that this many cars DNF? And I'd have to say, yep, (laughs) because at its core, rally racing is an endurance sport, and it's not just about the distance, because maybe the distances aren't super huge anymore these days, but managing the conditions, especially at the pace that they're going, and managing your vehicle are still that ultimate challenge.
2: Yeah, and, and, well, and the distance... um... You know, if you if you compare it to like, uh, you know, 24 hours of Le Mans or something like that, I mean, there's the potential for each competitor to go a different distance, whereas at a stage rally, the distance is set for everybody, but being able to make it that and that entire distance safely. Uh, in one piece or close to it, um, and you know, and quickly, uh, you know, like you said, that's that that certainly is the key. Um, I was just blown away at how much attrition there was. Uh, I, I guess I figured that, especially the uh, uh, like the regional teams the the teams that are pulling their, uh, uh, their car there on a, on a regular flat trailer and, you know, they're all staying at the KOA campground together, uh, you know, th- they're obviously not a big budget team. Um, that they were pushing as hard as the top name teams and, and willing to risk, you know, the, the, as much damage as, as ultimately was incurred.
0: Yeah, they, they you know they they're gonna push as as hard as they can. You know they they're still trying to find their limits, mm-hmm. or maybe they know that the you know maybe their skills are maybe a little bit beyond what the car can handle, but the car can't quite handle it or or whatnot. You know, um, there, sure. there's definitely those different things that that, that happen out there, um, and you know as Ian can attest that the conditions constantly change. Uh, before we kind of wrap up what happened on Friday, one of the things that uh, w- was definitely interesting is as Doug was talking about was the dust. Now you're getting into dark with dust, and that makes mm-hmm. for some very interesting conditions. And what was it like for you, Ian, out there in that?
3: I didn't like it at all. We did not like it one little bit. It was horrible. The, the dust would—it was—I I, 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 thought it was fog to start with, but no, we, we quickly figured out it was dust, and it would just, like, sit there in a thick, immovable Patch and you could not see a damn thing. And Scott was continually get flicking from like uh, full on full driving light lights to uh to dipped headlights, so we to to help our vision, you know, because you get on full driving lights and the dust and you and that's it. it, just like wipes out everything. So Scott was like continually flicking between between dipped headlights and the driving lights, and it was. It was not a lot of fun at all. I mean, we probably lost, I mean, we lost a lot of time on the, uh, in the dark, in the dust. It was, it was not a lot of fun at all.
0: Well, one of the things we noticed when we were uh, kind of following the top teams was uh, seeing when Oliver Solberg came in and he's the one that had that completely shredded front left corner, uh, hit a stone that ended up in the driving, in the racing line. What I really noticed about him, actually, just just say a little something about that kid, Oliver he took it all in in stride. I mean, the stresses that you think you'd have, you know, when you're trying to be at that top level, and he's like, "Yep, we hit it. There was nothing we could do, but it didn't phase him. The stress didn't phase him, and he was bang on it again after, right afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, more power to him. That was just freaking crazy. Well, uh,
1: when he passed us, this was stage ten. Uh, when he passed us, it didn't look like he was at any want for speed. He was one for a front-left fender. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, uh... it was gone. It was completely gone, wasn't it? Weight reduction.
0: <laughs> you know, I was talking to him actually after the rally, um, ended up visiting with him just a little bit, and he said he really did notice on the high-speed corners, um, this is his first time driving a car with a lot of downforce in it. Um, he's done a uh, World Rally Cross supercar, the 600-horsepower Beast's, but I mean, he's got a little bit of knowledge in that, so you get a little bit of it, but not a ton, right? And he yeah. said he really did notice it in those corners with that uh, left side not getting that airflow over. You know, it had they had those kind of little uh, veins kind of sticking into the wind there. Dive planes. That's what I'm looking for. That's oh, the word. Oh, the canards. Yes, little canards, dive planes uh, to try and uh, dive planes on a. Uh on a submarine whatever I, i've heard them called all kinds of things either way arrow bits on the car right arrow bit there we go i like that was definitely a notice th- noticeable thing and when they're gone it was extra noticeable and he was expecting to have grip in areas that that he didn't and uh it, it was a little bit more of a challenge for him so um but uh his challenge that he had ended up dropping him down Uh, I think about 45 seconds to a minute uh, on that stage. He still kind of drove it to the end of the stage, was able to finish it, uh, I think it was about three kilometers from the stage, he said, uh, you know, on that flat. They swapped the the flat. Then, later on, they go over a rise and catch some air. Well, turns out that that damage had messed up the bonnet pins. So, the hood flew up, uh, uh, flew back Hits the windscreen, shatters it, you know, into you know like where you can't really see through it. Uh, apparently, on that stage where the where the bonnet flew up, they stopped and put it back on, and when they finished that stage, they were still only I think ten seconds slower than Higgins and Drew. So wow, I don't know you if they had spacked the off world enough
1: in Picasso as opposed to uh, HD, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: But but again, yeah. Like I said, that that kind of stuff just didn't phase the kid. He still was pushing on uh, throughout that day, and you know was still a threat. But you know he had been bumped back to third, back behind McKenna, and McKenna was given everything he could.
2: When I heard about it, you know everything that happened to uh, to Oliver Solberg, it, it sounded like it was um, a bad slapstick movie, like it was the Three Stooges go rallying or something.
0: <laughs> it was comedy of errors, yeah.
2: Yeah it was, it was like everything that could have gone wrong did um but like you said you, you know the fact that he was able to you know uh, to keep balls to the wall uh, you know despite all of that yeah that's that's uh, definitely impressive
0: I it, my, my, the statement that he told us uh, when we were doing our uh, little interview with him was like you know i've had my bad luck for the rally maybe others will have bad luck too <laughs> <laughs> he was rather correct in that statement as we uh, found out on Saturday. Uh, so let's kind of move on into Saturday and uh, let's, any of you guys would like to reflect on anything else from uh, being out there at night and, uh, uh, seeing this rally, uh, finish up on, on the Friday. Only very
1: quickly in that, uh, night stages have always been a part of, uh, of hundred acre wood. Uh, it's, it's one of the things that I enjoy cause you can, uh, you know, during the day, you know, of course, you hear the rally cars coming long before they they make it to your corner. But at night, you just see this glow kind of uh, festering through the uh, the swaying trees as uh, as the rally cars approach. It. it just adds to the anticipation. And then all of a sudden, uh, your corner where you've been in this dark, quiet, peaceful place just explodes with a fury of sound and light and mechanical anger and, mm-hmm. and then it all goes
3: quiet and dark again
1: it is it is an amazing thing a rally stage at
3: night yeah it's yeah and it's, it's interesting to look at it from like the uh from inside the car you know you will come upon you're you're driving through these this avenue of trees and your light your headlights are like light, lighting the way in front for you and then you get to a spectator area and people have got their cameras and they are bombarding you with flash and it's, it's day it's, it's brighter than daylight out there. It's, it's an incredible, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I'm going to remember. Now you're talking about it. I mean, I remember us coming on the, uh, the square, the square left on West, West over Pandora and, the the, uh, the the crowd are like above above the road so you can lo- you can look out the window you can see you see these lights flashing away above you and your, your headlights are in front of you they're all also illuminating the scene as well but it it is it's a really cool it's a really cool thing to be a part of even inside the car
0: so what was that like for you John being out there on a night stage
2: I think Doug's description is
0: bang on <laughs> Uh, it's one of the greatest, most visceral things I think anybody will that that's a motorsports fan will ever experience.
2: No, no, I I can't disagree. Uh, it, it, the way that it comes on, it almost reminds me of some of the scenes in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where you have the all of a sudden you have the, the brightly lit up spaceship mm-hmm. and all of its you know all of the noise that it makes just just coming up over the trees very quickly. It, it, granted, it's not alien as far as we know um but but it certainly it it certainly kind of seems that way and if you didn't know there was a rally you know, you know what exactly was going on i'm certain you would you know scare the bejesus out of anybody
0: yeah certainly and uh one of those sounds that uh, i wish i was out there in the woods to hear though was to hear uh pat morrow's ls3 sonic go by because that v8 approaching must have sounded something pretty
2: oh yeah
0: all right, well, I, I think that kind of wraps up most of what we saw on Friday. You know, uh, unfortunately for Matt and I, we were mostly kind of stuck at the front of the field. There was such a huge entry list. It is hard to get to everybody, and that service park that they had was pretty well spread out. There were people a ways back, and it, it was hard to keep up with them. Um, I think the other kind of story that was kind of big, what was going on there, was uh, talking to Seamus Burke. And Seamus, he'll talk your ear off if you don't have a microphone near him. Or a camera. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He'll just clam up. I mean, he he won't tell you squat. Uh, But it turns out they're having this uh, power steering issue. Um, In in talking with the the team there at uh, GRD Rally Sport, they had put in a new electric pump version of power steering. Instead of electric power, electric assist power steering is electric pump assist power steering. And whatever it was they got some sort of overvolt thing i think it might have been alternator related whatever partway through the stages it, it would conk out so he had no power steering um granted he had a lot of power that he could maybe steer a bit with that uh, v6 mark II escort at uh, mark II escort but uh definitely made for some challenges uh, dropped a little bit of time to michael hooper and those two ended up uh, really kind of going at it but um some frustration for him definitely on the friday uh, but moving on to Saturday, uh, the day starts. It's in downtown Salem now instead of Potosi, and uh, you're you're in the old downtown area. And there were throngs of people there. Doug, is is this normal for uh, Hundred Acre Wood? Because again, so, this is my first time being at this rally.
1: It used to be, uh, when when we first started going, this was back in 2009. And Saturday expose is always there in downtown Salem. There on Fourth Street. <clears throat> and those are the crowds that i remembered when i first went and what got me so this is a really cool top-notch type of type of thing and well we could do an entire five shows on on the uh the degradation that happened afterwards uh but uh in recent years no in recent years the uh the the entire event let alone Saturday Exposé had uh, been a pale comparison to what it had been. But uh, I, I, let me say, I was not surprised by the crowds. I was uh, enthused to see the crowds back the way that I remember them when uh, when when I first started going to this event. And you know, the the thing that uh, made me very excited and hopeful uh, for. For the, the future of this event, was to keep in mind, Ken Block went on on stage three on Friday. Yeah. So Block and mm-hmm. the in the Kasey, they weren't there.
0: And they and they are a huge draw to this event, uh, without a doubt. Uh, they it, are. That's one thing that at the fir- first park expose uh, in Potosi, you couldn't see the car. There were so many people around it. And it, it was funny, I saw multiple pictures and it's like, yeah, here's the, here's the, uh, Subarus and whatnot. And there's a little bit of gap and there's some people, you know, obviously crowding around Higgins or uh, Oliver. Um, but in general you could see the car just fine, but where Ken Block was just swarmed with people. There was no way you, you could barely see the car at all. It was insane. So obviously he's a big draw there seven times. He's won the event out of eight times competing, uh, Obviously still won only seven times and nine times competing now, but still uh, the guy's got a great record there. He loves that. It's his favorite stage rally in all of the U S and the people love him as much as he loves that rally. Well, and
1: the other, uh, I'm sorry, real quick. The, the other thing that, uh, that I noticed at park expose on Saturday morning was not everybody was at the bottom of the hill down by McKenna and, and Higgins and, and uh, Solberg. uh it was packed all the way to the top of the hill. Um, mm-hmm. People weren't just there to see a personality. Uh, they were there to celebrate the sport of rally. Uh, the, uh, and you had everybody just talking with, uh, with drivers, co-drivers, asking questions about builds, enthusiastic about the cars and about the sport. Uh, you know, it wasn't just a, an autograph
2: vest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three things from Oak Exposé on Saturday that really uh, just stuck out in my mind. First was a, a spectator who came up to me. I've got a media vest on, so apparently, you know, the, the assumption is that I'm an expert and know what the heck's going on. Um, so somebody asked me about, you know, Ken Block, uh, and I Told him what had happened, and we went out pretty early, and couldn't get the car back. And he was cool with it. He was okay, man. That kind of sucks for him, but you know, he's going to go out and uh, you know enjoy whatever he was going to enjoy from the rally. So, to your point, yeah, it was it was very much a case of they weren't just there to see you know Ken Block. <clears throat> Um, the other thing is kudos to whatever Girl Scout troop was selling Girl Scout cookies there at Park Exposé. <laughs> um, that was those, smart as
0: hell, wasn't it?
2: Those Thin Mints were excellent uh, uh, food out on the cattle guard jump, as well as on uh, on the flight home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well played, Girl Scouts. Um, love it. Uh, the 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 other the,
2: the other thing is the. Um, Uh, that CRX, the one with the rattle can camouflage, um, I got a picture of it. There was a little boy who came up to, I'm assuming it was the driver, and he was sitting on the bumper of his crappy-looking CRX signing an autograph for this little boy. And I just thought that was just... uh, that was cool that, you know, he's just as big a deal to this uh, to this kid as is Ken Block or, mm-hmm. you know, Oliver Solberger, or Higgins or or any of the uh, the names that you would recognize uh, associated with a with a rally event. Um, and and and, uh, and he sat there and talked to the kid and I, I didn't hear the conversation, but that, that was really cool the 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 last thing that that and, and this left a huge impact on me is watching you mike as you got to interview petter solberg um oh, with this oh, huge man. smile on your face it was apparent that you you were living the dream man and you know kudos brother
0: dude uh t- to meet honestly what is my Rally Hero. Um, you know, when I when I started following the sport, it, it was the Subarus, I guess, that did get me sucked into it. Obviously, their advertising worked, right? Um, I, I bought my 2005 Subaru Outback XT. You know, the commercials back in 2005, they were, they were really kind of showing the rally stuff. Subaru was still in the World Rally Championship. The, the TV commercials here, even in the States, when you was like, you know, the rally-bred Impreza, right? The WRX, you know, was the thing. Uh, in that, in that era, and YouTube was just starting to become a thing, um, you know, a couple of years later, uh, probably more around 2008 or so, and I'd stumbled across that rally stuff and, you know, watched all the previous WRC videos that I could find on YouTube, um, because it wasn't broadcast here in the United States. I I remember just watching just, you know, Petter would be the, he's, he ended up, although he's a, a champion in 2003, he was kind of the underdog uh later on and just always battling with those top guys and uh, one of my favorites actually was probably probably when he was a, a privateer in about uh i guess it would've been 2009 before they went to the new chassis uh so he was doing the the C4 Citroen and he'd be right up there with Loeb and uh and with the other guys you know that that had factory back cars and you know, he, he, sure, he had the same car as Loeb, but they wouldn't give him the top, most recent, you know, parts that they had, you know, developed or whatever because he was a privateer, and yet he was, like, right on their on their heels and would never give up, and, you know, just something about just his attitude and uh, just always putting everything into it, just, I, I was very much drawn to to, to his style and, and, and watching him compete, and I just, yeah, it, he exemplified everything that makes it rally awesome right mm-hmm. and to meet him in person and be able to talk with him and get an interview with him i was nervous as all hell and yet proud and excited the the opportunities that i've been given right now just wow and, and for all the other competitors and fans i got to see you're seeing a world Ethan champion right in Little Salem, Missouri. I mean, just think about that, right? I mean, that's a pretty big freaking deal.
1: This is like, this is like Lewis Hamilton coming to your local club race.
0: Yeah. No, no, you, you, that's I mean, that's pretty okay, much right.
1: it's, it's, maybe it's a SECA majors race, uh, but but still, right? Uh, you know, the, the uh, you know Formula One world champion comes to your local uh, uh, road course. And, uh, and, and, uh, that, that was so amazing.
0: Yeah. I was smitten. Uh, you know, obviously (laughs) he's great. And actually (laughs) I must say his wife, Pernilla, she is a fricking doll. I love that lady. She is so sweet. And she competed herself, by the way, she drives. Mm -hmm. Um, now she also as a co-driver to him, but she did compete, uh, I guess in the, um, Back with the production class, the Group N uh, type cars. Uh, so back in the day, she's uh, so she's Swedish and um, he's Norwegian. Although their farm home that they have is like literally right over the border in Sweden or in Norway fr- from Sweden. And Rally Sweden often goes just across the border into Norway and then back into Sweden again, right in front of their farmhouse on that road, um, for obvious reasons. You know he, he you know he's well known in the area. But uh, I didn't realize this, but their son Oliver, he actually registers as Swedish, not as Norwegian, unlike what Wikipedia might tell you. Mm-hmm. So he is a Swedish driver. Thank you very much. He decided to take his uh, his his mom's uh, side there and uh, say, even though I guess our farm home there is in, in technically in Norway, he likes to call himself Swedish. So, uh, I, more power to him. That's pretty cool. Um, but uh, yeah, um, j- just really awesome to to meet him and and be able to chat with him and the fact that everybody there could just he he didn't care every anybody could talk walk up to him and talk with him he was totally comfortable um he's great with the fans he really is and uh and like i said pernilla her as well um speaking of rally sweden by the way they won the historics he has a mark ii escort that he competes in and they won the historic class in uh, wc sweden uh this last uh i guess that was back in february so pretty cool stuff so, moving on from Park Exposé, this is where we got into maybe some of the more challenging stages of the day. Uh, Ian, uh, give us a lowdown. After you leave Park Expo, uh, where are you guys heading out to?
3: Uh, well, yeah, well, it's something I got to, got to share first. And uh, apparently, I was being watched while I was out there. Because uh, so one of the things that I would uh, mentioned at the uh, Gelsamino's Co-Driver Academy was my fear of the time card and screwing up the time card and how I would, how I, I developed this technique of just like waiting for the minute of the car in front of us and go in a minute behind them. But uh, Rhiannon and Alex had given me uh, given me the lowdown on the cards and they'd given me the confidence and they'd given me an app They'd give me an app on my iPhone to, that I could use for calculating the times as well. So I was feeling pretty confident when I went out there, and we were at uh, so it'd be ten, what'd be like stage twelve, I think it was the first stage after after service, after the first service, and we were like waiting there, and the car that was in front of us went in early. Now, in the old days, I would have just gone in a minute behind them because I would have thought they'd know what they were doing. But no, this time, I knew what I was doing, so I waited for my minute. And after the event, I was uh, talking to Rhiannon about this, and I said, I know when to go in on my minute. And she said, we know, we were watching you. I'm going like, (laughs) how were you doing that? Well, I didn't realise, but Alex... Because Ken was out, Alex was out on – he was out at uh, uh, controls watching me to make sure that I was actually going in on my minute and doing everything right.
0: Doug, do you watch your students? I do. And,
1: Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) and, you out both, of course, uh, in my class and and out of – yeah, after class. But uh, after the class, one of the things that – I really enjoy doing is watching them and and I watch them not to nitpick what they're doing or correct what they're doing. I'm watching them for the opportunity to cheer their success. Uh, You know, we've uh, had some students in my astronomy class that uh, that are now uh, doing actual genuine space science, you know, and uh, we've also had several uh, students graduate from our game development program uh who are working in the industry running their their own businesses or or high up in in other bus uh other uh game development companies here in town and, and it's i i love watching them succeed um it's uh it's rewarding right it's like okay look they're doing it they're doing it and and i i maybe played a small little part in getting them on that path and so no it, it totally makes sense uh, that Alex would want to do that.
3: Yes, yeah, so I was like, I was like a little bit blown, blown away because that th- they 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 knew that they actually wanted to watch what was going on because we had several situations there on the uh, on the Saturday. I had that situation with the guy in front going in a couple of minutes early, and uh, there was also cars. There was a couple of situations where cars were out of order, and we also had on stage sixteen. Everybody was like delayed because of uh, some, 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 something at the cattle, something was going on at the cattle guard jump. I don't know what, what was, but rowdy um, we, fans, we understand, yeah, rowdy fans, probably. And so, I mean, I was having these situations to deal with at the arrival control, and apparently, I must have passed them all with flying colors, but uh, yeah, it the uh saturday was certainly quite interesting and once again it was a big shock to go out there and find that the road conditions were like totally different to what we'd wreckied. So, yeah like the...
0: how was that southern loop stage which was kind of the big one that everybody was really worried about with all the slimy conditions and all that stuff um did, did the crews really make it that much better did it just dry up enough that the ruts didn't matter because they were dried or what was it like through there
3: it, dry, it was like a different stage, honestly, it really was. It was still it was still muddy, but it was nothing like what it was. It actually, it got to the stage where I actually didn't recognize it because the conditions were, like, so different. It, it was really weird in that, in that, to that extent. So, but, uh, we got through, so we got through Sudden Loop without any problems, and uh, we had uh, our first go at the infamous cattle guard jump, which we were, like, really looking forward to.
0: But now, the... when Matt and I were uh, doing our little bit in front of that cattle guard jump, there was uh, this large puddle in front of it. Um, mm. But everything had dried out, you know, that next day. Plus, there was another day in between. Was it completely dry, and the approach was okay, or what was that uh, cattle guard jump like?
3: It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was relatively okay. I'm not going to say it's perfect because there, what you don't see when you're watching the cars do the jump is like the. Uh, the approach, the, the approach is not like smooth. I mean, there's a lot of potholes developing in the approach. And uh, Scott was actually a little bit cautious about that because, you know, you hit these potholes and you're feeling the truck being like thrown a little bit offline. So we were a little bit cautious going over there. So I think something that to the organisers have got to look at is like uh, doing a bit of repair there on that section in front of the jump, because that can, that's that's going to catch somebody out at some point. I'm sure. Well, I mean, we've already had, Vitella. It's Vitella's. Yes. It's Vitella's crest now, of course, isn't it? Because of because of the crash. But I, I think it would. Well, uh... that
1: wasn't because of the. Uh, that, that happened because of how he landed.
0: Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, and, even... then suddenly having three instead of four wheels. Yeah, yeah, three what, wheels and a spike. <laughs>
3: But what 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 I'm saying is like the the approach to the uh, to the jump is it's now it's it's yeah it's it's not smooth. So I mean, so you could easily have somebody lined up to do their jump and they're gonna hit a rut or a pothole there and they're gonna get thrown off line and that's going to affect. Their flight, which is going to okay. affect their landings uh, So, sure. but they, so they should really look at smoothing that out, filling those potholes. And you know, about about a quarter of a mile, for before you get to the jump, there is a there's like a sharp left three and another cattle guard, and mm-hmm. the the track there has been so badly eroded away that the the concrete trough, the edges of the concrete trough of the cattle guard, are actually exposed. So, I mean, it, it would serve them well to actually do a bit of maintenance on that trail.
0: Well, that's uh, one thing they love about the rally. That's where mm-hmm. they get the funds where they can. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: so, hey, hey Ian. Um, yeah. So, question
2: about specifically the Kettle Guard jump. Uh, you know, because we were there at the last stage of the day on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And at least by the time we were there, there were only a couple of very just the least bit of lingering puddling you know uh on the lead up before the the actual jump was there more standing water in the lead up uh during the morning
3: run i'm trying to remember because i i like had my head buried in the notes so i don't actually remember what the conditions were like but uh it was i don't think it was that i don't think it was that bad so yeah
2: but but we I'm were, just wondering if there was a difference in, you know, the run up, uh, between the morning run and the afternoon
3: run. Mm-hmm. But like I say, I like, i My head was buried in my notes and we'd, by the time we had got to the start of stage 16, that's it. Scott and I had like decided, decided we are not going to screw this up. We are getting home and we are getting home safe, you know? So we didn't, we specifically didn't push it on, uh, on, on that final stage it was just get home in one piece so we took it easy over the jump we took it easy over the approach so uh, we still we still managed a fairly respectable time over the stage but uh we were happy but by that stage we were just happy to be getting home
0: well um obviously you know kind of wrapping things up for saturday you know that one of the things i want to say is that, you know that jump right there one of those that really seemed to push it over that jump was that battle between Michael Hooper uh, and Claudia Pullen in, in their Lexus versus Seamus Burke and uh, was it Mullen, the, the co-driver in the uh, in the Mark II Escort. Those guys were pushing so hard. The Escort, uh, Seamus, he went over so hard. It sounds like that, that's where he broke his suspension mm-hmm. was on the landing of that thing.
2: I think it was it might have been a little bit past the landing because he landed and he was a bit squirrely but then he kept he kept going. Uh I don't know if it wow. have been that it was damaged then and the wheel just didn't fall off
0: yet. That <laughs> Front left tire was way <laughs> mm. what was it like a a 45 degree positive camber on that thing?
2: <laughs> well well at, at, at the at the awards ceremony it was it was being held on with a ratchet strap. So uh, I think that angle, you know, they couldn't have done anything about it under the conditions.
0: Is it different, Doug, from a photographer's point of view at the jump these days? It looks like there was more posts in the way of the pictures than there used to be. Uh, have they redone the fence line a little bit so it's a little more obscured?
1: They they have done that. Uh, that that's a new fence. Uh, gotcha. So it's not that there's more fence in the way, but...
0: Just more there's, modern?
1: There's, there's new wood. Uh, and so it's brighter, and it stands out. And uh, it, But uh, yeah, there's always been a, a fence there, and the posts have always been annoying. Where we could stand was a little, re, a little restrictive. Understandable, uh, but restrictive. And I kind of wish I'd brought my, my big 400 prime, which usually you really don't need at a rally. But the uphill... Uh, So the second crest, or the crest after the jump.
0: Oh, yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So I can be up there. I've got a straighter, more head-on shot at the jump. I'm behind the landing zone. And so I can see immediately if it's going to go pear-shaped and run perpendicular away from stage. So it's it's a good place to be. You're up, you're away from the landing zone. And with long glass, you can still get... Uh, that good angle, right, looking right at the car as it's all all wheels up. Uh, if you remember my shots from uh, 2015, yep. Uh, when he had the big giant snowflakes, uh, that I that I was there doing that. But I remember thinking, you know, I've
0: done this shot. I've done this shot a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but you had a big guy to carry of, it for you.
1: Of most of the cars that are in those fields. Uh, yeah. And so, with uh, both Tedrick and I there, and Tedrick had some ideas for capturing that shot, and it was his first time at the jump. I figured since he's got it from that angle, I'm going to get it from kind of try it, try something a little different than I've done in the past and get that trailing shot, right? Mm-hmm. You know. So I, some of the time for the first few shots, I was standing uh, at the crest, right at the takeoff at at the cattle guard.
0: Uh, right and
1: getting the cars in the you know from behind up in the air with the uh, spectators on the other side of the uh, of the road i will say one thing that was different about this year was the time of day in which they ran this stage it normally it, it's odd normally they don't run the stage in that uh in that northward direction twice uh usually they run it one way in Early in the day, and then the opposite way later, whether the jump is earlier or later, it uh, depends. But the, the the jump happened right around 4-ish, 5-ish, I think, 5, 5.30 maybe, something mm-hmm. like that. To so get uh, some the, good
0: shadows. That,
1: well, the golden hour, right? When the sun's mm-hmm. a little lower in the sky, it's just wonderful, uh, wonderful temperature of light uh and a good position for the line this way that's why we wanted to be on the side opposite of the spectators, not just to get the spectators in the shot but so we'd have the sun behind us instead of looking into the sun uh and it uh ended yeah, up being just a fantastic a fantastic time to to shoot rally cars uh all the colors are just wonderful but uh, anyway that was uh uh The the posts were always there. It's just uh, they're newer this year. (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes sense.
0: That makes sense. Well, and like I said, I remembered those uh, previous shots you had taken from longer ago. So I'm like, hmm, something changed. But uh, that makes more sense now. Uh, One of my favorite moments of this rally was uh, obviously that battle between the open two-wheel drive. And did you see that video clip of Michael Hooper doing that? perfect scandinavian flick at high speed Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, that uh, that was butter
0: that that was insanity he approached that corner at about 100 miles an hour at first (laughs) and and you can see he's uh, that car is a 45 degree angle in the opposite direction of that turn before he whips it around yeah holy shit (laughs) that was awesome uh you know he was definitely pushing Yeah total commitment you know and of course uh john you know you got to hear a couple of different motors out there obviously the the, the four-cylinder things are, are the most common but you know you got to hear that v8 out there but then there's the uh different that mark ii escort with its v6 and uh, that lexus also has six cylinder in it so uh they, they got some pretty good noise to them
2: okay every time that uh, uh one of the bmws would go by and uh, it oh, it would the beamers, trail off. yeah we yeah, would trail off in the distance uh, uh I was waiting to hear you laughing. <laughs> it's yes, just ingrained yes. in me.
0: Yep, yep that the M three music you did. Yeah, love the uh, BMW straight six. It just what a beautiful motor for sure when it when it's on song. Okay,
2: and and every car that was out there, at least if it was if it was running the way it was supposed to, uh, they all sounded you know, wonderful in their own way. Uh, granted when you could, you could tell when somebody was coming and they weren't having a good day and it wasn't operating the way it was supposed to. And it, you know, well, sounded like crap,
0: (laughs) but they knew it too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Well, again, endurance sport, try and get it to the end. Keep pushing, keep trying, do what you can. Don't let,
2: don't let out the magic smoke.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, um, Finishing it off, of course, we ended up having uh, a little bit of drama on that final stage, and that was the start for Barry McKenna. Um, So we had, what, a couple of stages earlier. You had uh, David Higgins and Craig Drew ended up having their issue with an electrical problem. They lost five minutes, I think it was, uh, on the stage. You know, they had a commanding lead and uh, ended up kind of losing it all right there. A bit frustrating for them. And then, you know, you kind of come at this last stage, and McKenna's got a 30-second lead, I think it was, over Oliver Solberg. And uh, then there gets to be this weird argument, um, I guess, at the, as they're getting to the start of that stage. Higgins was still first on the road and started out, and I guess the start control workers didn't want to give him his dust minute. Uh, it's supposed to be two minutes between cars, and mm-hmm. as we were talking earlier, you know, the dust actually can be an issue there. And... Of all people, actually, it was uh, Solberg's co-driver, I think it was, uh, Aaron Johnston, helped stick up for Barry and said, he deserves his dust minute. And in this time frame, we were looking at the times, and it ended up being like 10 minutes before he actually started that stage. We were trying to figure out what's going on, and so they had, whoever was working that start control, and like I said, I do not know all the drama behind it, and and I don't want to get into too much of it, but his time card was pulled by the worker and wouldn't give it back and all kinds of weird stuff going on anyways eventually he got to run the stage but that must have gotten to him because halfway through the stage he actually has a really big spin loses 30 seconds and ends up finishing the stage and only winning the rally by 6.8 seconds so (laughs) wow talk about some stress there uh made us a little nervous about what was going to happen at the very finish there as far as uh you know when it came to the rule uh, to the um the stewards talking and whatnot but once they heard of what happened and and you know and obviously uh Aaron and Oliver sticking up for him and what was the kind of weird drama that's going on there um you know it was a pretty easy decision to make and uh it was great to see Barry and Leon win this rally they've been so close so many times They've invested a shit ton of money for being mm-hmm. privateers uh, to to be able to finally pull out a win. Mad props to them. Uh, big kind of Irish invasion at this event because... The uh, winners of the next class, the limited four-wheel drive, was also an Irishman. Now, Patty Brennan, um, with Matt James as his co-driver, who's not Irish, but still, really, really, I think everybody was happy. With that I think you know, Higgins and Drew and everybody was cool, was happy to see that uh, McKenna and Leon Jordan also, uh, you know, getting that win. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know, what would you guys think of the podium and the end result?
1: The end result, I, I honestly was surprised that Higgins didn't make it. I... I... Once I heard that Block was out, I fully... Okay, this is Higgins' rally. There it is. Again, uh, I was really surprised that that he went out. I will say the thing that did surprise me about the podium is that it was a proper professional uh, production-level podium. It wasn't just uh, some dude standing on... uh, Uh, on their cars in front of a Vista Prince uh, vinyl banner, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it was, it was properly done. uh, And uh, at a place where the, uh, the fans could come and and see the rally uh, competitors, their cars, you had uh, a little place behind the stage where you had all the cars lined out, all the, all the uh, drivers, co-drivers and their crew. They're talking and mingling with the, uh, with the fans and grant you we were fortunate enough that we had actual proper grandstands there in front of the podium so everybody could see you weren't having to look over people's heads or anything like that at uh, the level of professionalism and production uh that i saw take place this year was multiple orders of magnitude <laughs> above what i'd gotten used
3: to in the, in the past few years but that that presentation arena thing that was just that was just fantastic you know we I, I didn't know what to expect there you know we came into the final control and we was told follow the follow everybody up up there to the to the lights and you know we drove down the road and we turned turned into the arena and there's like bleachers full of people on one side there's the presentation area on the other and so like the people are sat in the bleachers are like applauding you as you come in that was like so that was totally cool, oh that was brilliant I, I mean that set the standard now if if no other event in in the ara calendar has that they're missing out because that was like so cool and of course we had got you so used to the rally truck the reception for the rally truck all the way through the event we thought they were cheering extra loudly for us anyway you know, but that was just like that was like really, really cool. And like kudos to the um, to the organizers for, for just for that piece alone. That was that was so special. That really was.
2: But okay, not having any frame of reference, I'm saddened to, to, to learn that, that that kind of spectator friendly um, um, awards ceremony after the rally isn't the norm. Um, or at least hasn't been,
0: well, it it is the norm in that, you know, kind of everybody is kind of there, but not in a, in a format where the cars, as they finish go like right in front of a crowd, um, that part usually isn't there. Uh, it's not often that you can have the final time control necessarily be in front of stadium seating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, There just aren't a lot of uh, venues where you have uh, bleachers and things like that ready to go for the fans. Uh, Usually it's more like uh, last year at Oregon Trail, you know, we finished up at this uh, awesome old um, museum. That, uh, well, the museum isn't old, but they got, you know, obviously a bunch of old stuff there, uh, which is really perfect. Uh, it overlooks the Columbia Gorge and it's part of the original Oregon Trail, right? And it, it's, a, it's a great kind of pioneer museum that they've got there. And all the cars kind of pulled up in the parking lot there and fans could interact with them. But it's not that it was... Uh, there was any seating that people could Mm -hmm. see everybody approach and cheer them on as they came through. So uh, just a little bit different kind of design and they took full advantage of, uh, of what they got there. So kudos to uh, Missouri and the hundred acre wood rally folks, the the organizers to uh, come up with a design like that. I thought that was really freaking wicked. Uh, Very, very cool stuff. So um, I guess final thoughts and reflections on this rally, because there was a lot of cool stuff. Like I said, for me, first time in Missouri, I'm going to say just the regular roads there There needs to be Targa, Missouri, because just the highways there Mm -hmm. are perfectly cambered on the pavement and whatnot. I'd love to rally that, let alone the frickin (laughs) roads and the gravel roads to rates on. What a beautiful state. I I was I was wondering what it would take to even just to add a tarmac stage,
2: you know, just for the the, the variety, because that would be fun as hell.
0: those are just crazy awesome roads so uh i I had no idea that it was such a hilly area out there um you know i come from an area where there's big mountains and then there's kind of flat areas and things like that but it's just kind of constantly undulating through there and it's just beautiful and uh yeah if you've never been to the 100 acre wood it's definitely one to come Mm -hmm. and visit um great memories want to go back for sure uh Ian uh, give us your reflections on that rally.
3: Well, I mean, uh I I want to thank thank I want to thank the fans. And not just the fans for turning up, but the fans of the rally truck. We kind of like got a little inkling that the rally truck is like a special special vehicle, but there the the support that those those fans in Missouri gave us, you know, that was Something special. It was something. It was something quite humbling that people would come come up, and they would pay as much attention to us as they would pay to the the Subaru. I mean, Subarus. They were people would like pour over the the back of the uh, the bed of the truck, and they would be looking and looking and examining the course of the exhaust pipe you've seen the exhaust pipe on the back of the uh
0: yeah yeah the, it I mean, right, the, right <laughs> over the bed yeah
3: it's a work of art and they would they would pour over that they would they would stare at that longingly Ev- the, everybody was just wanted to wanted to talk to us about the truck and uh it was it was fantastic it uh it really was i'm going to i'm going to remember that for a for a very very long time, so it's like thank you to the people of Potosi and Salem and uh, Steelville, Steelville. Because oh, here's another thing: we we stayed in Steelville, had a cabin in Steelville. So on a Saturday morning, we stopped at the, a gas station in Steelville to fill up, and two people, two two trucks, two, two SUVs full of people who were on their way to to Salem to what to for for Park. They stopped. And they poured out of their vehicle, and they had to come and have their picture with the truck at the gas station. <laughs> I mean, awesome stuff, oh, dude! It's just fantastic. I mean, it's it's so so. It's it is. It's humbling that people take that level of interest in your vehicle. It's it's, and that's that's what I'm going to remember, for sure.
0: You know, I think that uh, brings up a thing about uh, what makes American rallying different in that. We do have so many different vehicles, and that's a draw, right? Versus the homologation that you have, maybe have in, in European rallying and elsewhere, you just have such a variety that people can really are drawn to just these differences. You, you see something unique, and it draws people in.
2: I wonder if uh, you know a lot of the interest in the rally truck is from people who they know where there's a clapped-out S10 somewhere, and mm-hmm. they will they can pull off the same thing. Yeah. Certainly.
3: Why not? Well, well, we, as a result of this, we, as Scott and I, have found out there are maybe three or four other rally truck builds out there. Yeah, and a couple of them are in Missouri as well. So, you know, there are people out there wanting to build rally trucks. Uh, Yeah, it's... I mean, it's the ubiquitous American vehicle, isn't it, the truck is? I mean, it's... I'm surprised there aren't there aren't more out there. To be honest,
0: um, Doug, uh, reflections.
1: So I was quite pleased to see the uh, the entry list and the the spectator participation uh, surge back to uh, its former vibrance. And again, I, I can't iterate enough what a difference uh, a professional governing body makes. But now that we have. A governing body that takes its job seriously wants to have everything kind of organized in a uh, in a sensible and professional manner. I think now attention needs to be focused, uh, leveraging that same type of expectation of professionalism uh, at the uh, at the uh, marshal points uh, at at the junctions. There were there were some places where we saw. Marshall's doing a fantastic job. Uh, the the crew at, uh, at the jump, at the uh, telecrest, they were doing exactly the way uh, crowd control and, and media control because sometimes, uh, I'll admit, sometimes you know, we kind of press the limits too and, mm-hmm. when we shouldn't. And they need to be on us as well. And, and he didn't, Go around yelling or screaming at people. He just told you how things were going to go. Uh, well, and, and we say it in the very beginning,
0: right? right. Uh, when we do our media meeting, is that the the, the the rule of law for you media guys is that marshal? Right, right. If they think that you're not safe, then, if you're then, in a place that they think you're not safe, you listen to them. But I mean, don't there, argue with them.
1: There's a way to do this, and there's a way not to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And the guy at Telecrest he was doing it absolutely right you know there was there was no excitement or emotion or, or anger it's just like uh you know if someone wasn't where they were supposed to be he just got out there and said this is how it's going to go down uh even when some spectators after the uh triple zero had had gone through saw some spectators coming against traffic uh towards the heavy and he just stood right in the middle of the stage as the car was approaching Way knowing exactly what was going to happen, there was no doubt in his mind that that car was going to stop and it was going to turn around because that's the way it was going to go. Oh mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll I'll God, if that isn't! Uh, but of course, we saw some, the other side of that too. We saw some emotions get a little high with some and and others. Uh, I remember I think it was eleven where we were. It was just like a, a giant pile of eight care. Uh, They showed up. They were there. They, They had some little yellow tape across one of the Junction Road. There's no tape anywhere else. And I was standing in what I felt was a good spot. Great big old tree next to me. I had a good egress path. I would not have felt safe. Many other places around that area definitely would not have felt safe where I saw a lot of spectators right where a car would have gone if they had lost a brake line, car is going right for all those spectators right at the end of that straight. And I'm like, why is there not red tape all over there? Uh, it, it was Friday night. Uh, I think it was 10. That was the last one of the uh, of the day at the spectator location. Everything was red. <laughs> they had gotten completely yeah. crazy-go-nuts with the red tape. I'm like, this is really a, a fine spot be you're safe here uh and you have just ruined this corner for our for our shot
0: (laughs) yeah because the red tape not even photogs can be there right right i mean this is no longer
1: a place where i can make pictures you know there's no place for me here uh the, the entire corner is is shot and so some consistency in in martial training uh i think is the next step
0: yeah i think that's that's where you get run right into a challenge you know uh i'm gonna throw on my put on my organizer hat here and you know the events are still organized locally where the sanctioning body comes in with a rule set and, and tries to bring some guidelines right. but it is really hard for them to you know uh kind of force i guess you could say you know it, the organizers of a specific event to uh do everything you know a, a certain way that said yeah offering uh training materials training mm-hmm. uh you know coming up with those guidelines that maybe they can use to help their marshals become better at what they do right. maybe do a i don't know a webinar you know to train some of the the stage captains or something right. you know sure yeah i, I think i could see and, that as being a thing
1: and mm-hmm. i uh I, I know some of the people that uh, that organize this uh and others that have been volunteers for a long time and and i know there's definitely a willingness and a sincerity to to making this uh much better. Uh well in fact you met Brad Plant. He was the media
0: coordinator. Yes, sir. <clears throat> it's good to finally meet him uh, in person. Yeah. You know, he, uh you know, he's, he's been a photographer stuff. for open paddock for many years back in the day, doing yep. a lot of sports car stuff and all that and, and of course doing the rally stuff sport? too. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, he's working now for uh Speed Sport and doing amazing, amazing stuff. Uh but uh you know he he knows the right way to do things, and uh, as as do the Hubies and uh, and others, and, and so I'm I'm certain this will uh, this will improve as uh, you know, future events come, uh, and so it's me really being nitpicky here more than anything else. Just uh, I, I'm I'm elated for the direction that the event is uh, is taking.
0: Awesome. So uh, John, your first ever stage rally. Um, you had to, uh, have a late night run afterwards, uh, to get to the airport, but, um,
3: it it sounds like from your point of view, you must have had a a heck of a time out there. Absolutely. It it was, it it was fun.
2: (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't know any other way to describe it. Um, yes, even, you know, making certain that, that, that Doug didn't die, um, as my appointed duty, it was, it, it, it was it was fun and it was OK, because, OK, when we were out at the cattle guard jump mm-hmm. um, uh, for the for the final stage of the rally Saturday afternoon, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that was the same sort of uh, atmosphere as I as, as it feels like when when I go to the IndyCar race at Barber. Mm-hmm. It, and it has the same sort of uh, camaraderie. Yeah. Um, it, you know, the, the, the fans there were into it and they're there for the long haul. I mean, it, you know, the fact that the guy uh, uh, was out there in the spectator area with a trailer selling food to everybody. I, I mean, I don't know who that guy was, but uh, I, I mean, I thought that was just just completely cool. Mm-hmm. you know and an unexpected especially you know the especially considering they're out in the middle of stinking nowhere yeah. you know um it, it, that makes it that much more impressive it, it, it's it's easy to do catering and, and a spread for some spectators uh, you know when you're in you know a metropolitan area but when you're out and out in the woods mm-hmm. that's it. That, that's that's a significant undertaking, and the fact that they do that just for these people who are going to come out for one day just to watch cars whiz by every other minute—that's yeah. <laughs> uh, that—that's dedication, a, a cool kind of dedication.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it's because it, we're we're like on the inside of the sport, you know. We don't get to a point of view like yours very often. I mean, it's like I'll oh, invite. I mean, it's like I had a friend of mine actually turn up. To, to the uh, to the park in uh, potosi he I've known him for like ages on uh, on Facebook and he I just realized that he lived in the area and I said come on down and watch and see what you think I mean, but when you get friends turning up they're all friends are always gonna say oh yeah it was great but not necessarily wanting to hurt your feelings sort of thing aren't they so
2: no yeah no I understand what you're saying <laughs> yeah Granted, I, you know, I think any kind of motorsports is going, I'll go to a freaking lawnmower race. It doesn't matter to me. Uh-huh. Um, the 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 skill set of uh, of rally is 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 unique mm-hmm. to itself, uh, and it's. The driver-co-driver combination and the way they work together, it's, it's, it's not like anything else.
0: Now you're learning that this stage rally thing is this kind of traveling circus. There's always something going on. You have to get to this place, to that place. It, it, it's super high intensity. And then you kind of crash at night, get up early again, seeing some wild cars doing crazy things on gravel and dirt.
2: First of all, I did not... Um, I well, I don't even possess really the uh, appropriate footwear. So before I do this again, I'm going to have to uh, uh, to get a good pair of, uh, of more sturdy boots. My sneakers were barely sufficient. I got to see a side of it. Maybe the the you know it wasn't really for spectators but i got to see enough of what a spectator sees to know that it's something that uh, you know given the opportunity i will definitely be able to uh, uh, to come to a rally again um uh, i think it was what is it a uh, uh, southeast ohio forest rally or southern ohio uh,
0: southern ohio Yep. Yeah. So, far. Uh,
2: so uh so i'm kind of thinking of that as a backdrop, an excuse to go see my older daughter who lives in Ohio and do something like that, uh, if I can work it out. Uh, but 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 to use that uh, ultimately for me this weekend in this mini vacation the, you know the, the being at the rally was a, was a backdrop of, for reuniting with friends uh, and again and also making some new ones um and it's it's absolutely perfect for that um and I wouldn't hesitate to use a rally event as that backdrop again
0: i do want to say that i'm sorry to a lot of the teams that we didn't get quite to uh, to talk to. Matt and I traditionally would do a lot of this media stuff together. There's a new person that's uh, heading up uh, kind of the media stuff at ARA, and it, there were some growing pains with it. It, w- it was something new to me, and I had to learn some new things. So it made the live stream, uh, I think this time around, a little bit awkward at times. Uh, again, we were learning a new system. Uh, the idea is, is that w- we can have a more professional platform that we can insert, uh, you know, uh, logos and throw in here's the current top 10 to give people information. Uh, The video bits Matt and I recorded previously from Recce, that they were able to just kind of put those right in there and play that while I then went and found somebody to interview. That was really cool. Uh, Unfortunately, when I went live to interview somebody, it was cut off at times. Um, there was some issues of the timing and, and when it cut and when it started. Uh, you know, yeah, some challenges there. And for those who are watching the live stream, apologies. We're still learning it. Uh, we have to come up with, I think, uh, a way to make that work better. Uh, I, we did get some feedback that was about how they really liked, especially at Park Exposé, the way Matt and I would do just kind of the grid walk thing, uh, which is something, you know, you, you guys know from other motorsports, right? From IndyCar and from sports cars and things like that where when the cars are all just kind of lined up there, it's a great time to just go from driver to driver, explain what's going on, and uh, just kind of just move right through uh, all all the different teams and and get a quick chat with them. Uh, With that, Matt and I could get pretty deep in the field within a a pretty short amount of time. With this method, it kind of didn't work. Uh, And we unfortunately were kind of stuck kind of right at the top. Um, Obviously, those people that pay a national entry fee they deserve a little bit more attention. They're paying that fee. Uh, but I definitely like to get farther back in the field to hear the stories, hear what's going on. Tried to at the services when, you know, the top guys are kind of gone to kind of get back in there and, and, and talk to more of the folks. But, uh, and I'll admit there, there's plenty of folks out in that area. I don't know yet. I need to get to know them. Uh, so if I didn't get to you, didn't get a chance to talk to you, say hi or whatever, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'll try and do better. Um, I wanted to get down to the podium for or or the awards for all the regional guys like you, Ian, Mm -hmm. but I had to actually help take down the entire uh, podium setup we had for the Nationals. So I was out there helping wash off things from the champagne, uh, cleaning stuff up and, and putting it away. That's part of my job. Uh, unfortunately that meant not going to see the regional stuff, uh, down the hill there, but it looks like you guys had a pretty damn good setup there, a little bonfire and, uh, pretty cool awards you guys had down there, didn't you?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I was, like I say, I thought my award was, uh, was moonshine, but, uh, but it turns out it's just like grain alcohol, but, uh, no, there was, it was very, it was very, very nice, nicely all packaged. And it was a, yeah, we were all packed in this uh in this room to have they had laid laid on food for us and uh yeah it was it was very nicely set up the food was good and the atmosphere was good we got a chance to that's the that's the great thing that's about at the regional level we were all in there together you know the competitors and the volunteers we could we could shoulder to shoulder with everybody you know thought the volunteers would come up and chat chat with us hey we saw the truck out there we thought it was great sorry do i keep going on about that but that's that is what (laughs) that is what it was like but you know we had the chance to to mix with uh with everybody and that was that was pretty cool and you know what would be really really cool if somebody from the uh the national classes if like david higgins or craig drew or even petter solberg or somebody like that had come down and presented the prizes that or, and, and given out the stuff to the volunteers that would have been really really cool that would have been a day for everybody to remember
0: uh, i would have thought that actually it you know if that was communicated i wouldn't have doubted that uh that might have happened uh, Petter, especially, I think probably would have been willing to do that because the way he was been all weekend, he, he yeah. was just really quite that kind of guy, and um, yeah, that was really neat. Actually, I was hanging out with the, with them in a bar after the event, which was kind of crazy. I'm in a bar having beer with Petter and Pernilla Solberg. That, yeah, that I, I will never forget that. But uh, <laughs> again, yeah, <laughs> um, awesome event, Hundred Acre Wood rally. I. I they they definitely put on a good show. The people there are awesome. The fans were awesome. The crowds, the cars just yeah, I'm I'm sure most of you have read the reviews of uh how the event eventually went down uh reading on ARA's uh, uh Facebook page with their little note they have with the rally review there. That's kind of a good way to get an overview of what's going on, of course, and make sure you follow all the stuff on social media, but uh for us make sure you uh, go to our Facebook page because there's a whole bunch of photos uh, that Doug Patterson took there. So thank you, Doug, for getting us some killer photos to show. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you can go to his website at Patterson Prince to if you want to purchase any of those uh, or whatever. It's great scenic shots as well. Um, lots of rally dogs, which was kind of cool. Um, Got to love uh, being a pet-friendly event that it is. As always, you can subscribe to this on Podbean, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or uh, search your favorite podcast app. Uh, We're pretty much everywhere if you just do a search for the Rallycast, the Open Paddock Rallycast. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. For Ian Holmes, for John Olsakowski, for Doug Patterson, the whole Open Paddock crew, everybody have a good day, and we'll see you at the next one. (laughs) .
2: Mmm <laughs>